welcome to Deep Cuts, the monthly bonus episode where we look more closely at a topic we've previously talked about. This time, I'm taking Amber on a short journey, this is going to be a short one, related to our Thanks Glyphing episode to look at some very different glyphs and the story behind them. Ah, glyphs too. The glyphing. Glyphs, the sequel to Glyph. So come with me to Australia, everyone. Close your eyes if you're driving, pull over and then close your eyes. And imagine this. We're on the central coast of New South Wales in the Brisbane Water National Park. Incidentally, since we're in the park, we could go on the Wondabine to Patonga walking track or the Mooney Mooney nature walk, but no. We're between two vertical sandstone walls, each around three and a half meters high, on which are inscribed Egyptian hieroglyphs depicting gods, chickens, bees, and other symbols. These are the Gosford glyphs. Mm, I see the problem here. Mm. Because chickens were not domesticated at that point in Egypt. I guess we can all go home. (laughs) So I found a problem. (laughs) Okay. Well, for the sake of the show, let's continue. <laughs> I'm now, not. I'm mind, not taking any. No, like no issue with like the problem is the chickens. Yeah, <laughs> the problem is the chickens. All right. Well, keep that in mind, folks. And bear in mind that the Brisbane Water National Park does actually contain and protect Indigenous Australian rock art, including the Bulgandry Art Site. So we'll link in the show notes to a short video from the ABC, the Australian one, Australian broadcasting corporation series this place which highlights indigenous art sites as explained by indigenous people and so at bulgandry which was actually meant to be called bungary but misspelling and mispronunciation over time made it bulgandry when it was officially mapped by colonizers there are carvings depicting Bayami, the creator figure in the australian aboriginal dreamtime legend there are also other carvings that there that are important to indigenous australian myth and culture but these aren't the glyphs we're talking about is that a star wars reference these aren't (laughs) no (laughs) no okay just just saying that oh these rather than just other ones okay (laughs) yeah it was just something that sounded like something else (laughs) the gosford glyphs were first recorded in the 1970s and include an image of Anubis, the name of King Khufu in the customary pharaonic cartouche, and other stuff. Um, and they, they were first recorded in the 1970s, but they were first sort of, collo- uh, not colloquially, but like said to be seen in, in the early 1900s. So um, there are many claimed translations of the inscriptions, and I searched through the various offerings. So... Amber, you're going to read us the translation in a little bit. Okay. But I want to make it very clear that where I found this translation is not a <laughs> reputable source. None of the places were. <laughs> this website and, and the other ones I found, they were full of links about refusing vaccines, space-time portals, and doomsday bunkers. So I'm reading this, and, and I've included this in the script only because it is an example of what the Gosford hieroglyphs are claimed to to translate to. It's it's more or less what I've selected is more or less kind of uh, an average of of hmm. what the all the translations you know it's like uh, and we're representative of, of the other ones were all of these sources that you looked at similarly like space weirdo anti vax yep interesting yep. oh well no three of them were and then one of them just gave me an error four oh four so <laughs> I tried <laughs> the deep state got him <laughs> I got him. Uh, but wait, 
but wait, because there's I have going another to be question. a little bit of it. Yes. Are these Australian space weirdo um, uh, anti-vax ones? Could you tell? Um, I could not tell. Okay. Um, the eventual translation that I chose came from humansarefree.com. So no indication that sounds, there. Man, that's like a big Anglo vibe right there. I um, I think it might have been. Uh, but quick sidebar first, because when I was reading this page, I got sidetracked. The, the text that came before the translation on, I don't know, this weird blog, the, the humans are free, whatever it is. Um, the text beforehand was very defensively written. And it was sort of like, well, people say. Um, and I got sidetracked by the phrase, there is also evidence that ancient Egyptian mummies contain traces of tobacco and cocaine in their DNA. This is controversial because if we look at history, these plants were exclusive to the American continent and not to other parts of the world. So they took my, like, this is fake because there's chickens in it, like, bit and, like, took it earnestly. Yeah, they, um, like, they've got cocaine in their DNA. And that's weird because we weren't supposed to be there, not, like, because. First of all, (laughs) they've got cocaine in their DNA. Right, like, that should be the thing that, like, it's like, that's That's not not how DNA works. Um, What, What they meant was there's there's traces of cocaine and tobacco DNA yeah. in the mummies. I have um, a side sidebar question. This is me yeah. asking you about, this is Amber asking the doctor something. Um, so God, I, I can't wait till you're in grad school. <laughs> can't wait till I'm out of grad school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I've been instructed by my, my medical provider to start taking B12. Oh, you have one? Text them. I have like an actual medical – I have like a team, in fact. Um, <laughs> but I was I was instructed to start taking B12. Sure. And the bottle of B12 – going to get into your DNA. <laughs> well, yeah, because the bo- – I think it's the D- – it's – is it the B – it might be the B12 because I feel like I would have noticed this on the D3 because I've got an absurd deficiency within that. Um, oh fun fact about me um it says it'll fix deep. my dna i know nothing about that it's, i i truly B12. is my dna broken is that the problem is that what a b12 deficiency is i don't know broken and DNA. i really i don't even know enough to speculate here but but maybe it's just like b12 is a vitamin that supports dna replication i don't know Listeners, if you know what DNA do, the dirt podcast at gmail.com. Uh, will B12 fix Amber's broken DNA? <laughs> Is it broken? <laughs> Is it broken? Um, okay. Are her but, little ladders splintery? Oh no. Uh, they're not no. good. They're not load bearing. Um, so I don't have any cocaine or tobacco in my DNA. Correct. To my knowledge. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But I did fall down an internet hole because this was something that I had heard just sort of peripherally that Egyptian mummies had traces of cocaine and tobacco. And upon hearing that each time I was just like, oh, okay, you know, contamination or whatever. Um, But this time, since since I was in research mode, I fell down an internet hole because it turns out there is something to this. There is genuinely tobacco and cocaine DNA and actually THC um, present in samples of Egyptian mummies. Well, that's in my DNA. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) 
80% quid. <laughs> That's um, what that was what I was afraid was going to happen with my blood work this week. <laughs> <laughs> These blood droplets are in the shape of five little leaves. <laughs> I'm going to piece the story together here using excerpts from a blog by the Cansford Labs in the UK, who, you know, transparency, full transparency here. It is a lab like that will that advertises we will do your lab work for you. So they build themselves as pioneers of drug and alcohol hair testing. Oh, and from the Skeptoid podcast webpage in a piece by Brian Dunning. I know neither of these are the. <laughs> best Great. sources the man we wish would shush on twitter <laughs> keep your grains of salt handy and apply them when necessary but this was a a i think it's a reasonably good summation of actual events interesting happened. yes okay and so amber i have this is first a an excerpt from the cansford labs blog so will you read that do they have sources listed on this blog or is this just like a yeah they need do. to and do they, marketing they have, no, no, it is linked. There are hyperlinks when, you know, when relevant to actual studies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So okay. that was, this the isn't just like their like, social no. media intern being like, I'm just going to throw something together. No, it okay. was, a, it's a legit, it, it turns into a tiny bit of marketing at the end. Cool. Cause it's like, we're going to do these tests. <laughs> um, you got a mummy? Do you need to <laughs> test that mummy? <laughs> yeah. It's essentially that, but the relevant parts here are legit. In 1972, a team of scientists in Paris, including Dr. Michel Lescaut, was tasked with repairing the mummified remains of Pharaoh Ramses II. Dr. Lescaut, Les, Lescaut? Way, not like the cave. Lescaut. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Lescaut. Dr. Lescaut discovered that fiber fragments contained within the bandages were actually fragments of plant, and on further analysis, they were, in fact, tobacco. Her later analysis of samples from the Pharaoh's abdomen confirmed the substance. It was news that made huge waves, mainly because of its improbability. Three theories came to prominence. Improbable. One. Modern-day humans had smoked the substances in the vicinity of the mummies since they had been unearthed, causing contamination that was picked up by the tests. Two. These plants could actually have been grown in ancient Egypt. After all, these were a people known for making the most of the plants around them. Lotus plants and poppy seeds, for example, are documented to have been used as stimulants during those times. Stimulants is incorrect. Poppy is a narcotic. What about lotus and plants? I, I think, you know, the lotus eaters, Lotus it's supposed to make you sleepy. So hmm. I stimulants is incorrect there. I didn't catch okay. that when I was when I was writing this, but I'm catching it now. Three. The ancient Egyptians had actually discovered the Americas long before Christopher Columbus and had brought back tobacco and cocaine for their own consumption. But they really got around in the Americas. This stuff is great. They just that's like two continents. They had they had boats and they just zoomed around. Well, I mean, once you get the cocaine. But while yeah, right? and, but while an attractive theory and one with more romance and excitement than the others, it was For widely... white people. <laughs> it was widely derided. So that's from the, the lab blog. The blog. Um, and then Brian Dunning says, But in 1997, the Discovery Channel aired a program called Curse of the Cocaine Mummies, which sounds awesome. Come on. That sounds, that sounds like something that would, like... Like very rockabilly, like that's 
<laughs> this is the name of an album by a band cocaine I would listen mummy. to. Curse of the sure. Cocaine Mummies. <laughs> yeah, like, I can see that. Like men with like upright faces and like pompadours. Which sensationalized the idea that the pharaohs were all junkies. Cool. More than anything else, this program is what inserted this largely unscientific belief into pop culture. The show told the story of Svetlana Balabanova, a German toxicologist who discovered nicotine and also trace amounts of cocaine and hashish in an Egyptian mummy. The TV show, in a somewhat transparent bow to sensationalism, focused largely on the cocaine to make its point that the pharaohs went around high all day and then went on to characterize this as proof of ancient trade between Egypt and the New World. Therefore, the discovery of the New World, as everyone knows it, is wrong. Unfortunately, such a disingenuous promotion of a largely discredited fringe theory is what we've come to expect from the pseudoscience and pseudohistory networks on TV. Yeah. Man, he's got a style. So says doesn't Brian he? Dunning. He sure does. Um, and I do want to make the point because far be it from me to to um, you know dump on the work of Svetlana Balabanova because the analyses that she did are legit. They they did they very carefully tested samples from these mummy or from this mummy and the re- the readings that came back had uh, cocaine and and traces of nicotine and hashish in THC. And so this was so. in this was the in the like physical remains in the or in, in the, the some wrappings. of it was in the wrappings but some of it was hair and tissue. Okay. Yeah. Um and yeah. Okay. And this um so this story and the thing that we're going to talk about next year overlaps a bit with um, the copper, old copper complex uh, mm. theories, mm-hmm. because this is the same time. And this yeah. is, this introduces some of the same um, evidence, we'll call it, um, yeah. used by proponents of the Phoenicians trading, Phoenicians getting all their copper from North America theory. Just want to. Yeah sort of loop that that back for folks because i was like this is sounding familiar and then i'm like jason colavito you got it Um, okay so yeah great yeah and so i think all of that um ties into uh, a social phenomenon that we'll that we'll touch on at the very end of this episode so it's the social phenomenon racism yeah well (laughs) racism not uh, yeah but but more nuanced than that and and more about kind of um an attachment to the the romantic exoticism, mm, mm-hmm, kind of, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. aspect. This is fun. Okay. So, great. So as you might expect, there's been a lot published on the probable cause for tobacco, cocaine, and other chemicals found in mummies from times and places where those compounds were unknown. One of the most widely cited was published in 2001 in the journal Antiquity, and it was authored by archaeologist Paul Buckland and paleoecologist Eva Panayotopoulou, who specialized in the use of insects in paleoenvironmental interpretation. She's a a bug guy. And their paper was titled Ramses II and the Tobacco Beetle. Is this a a moral tale? So Dunning provides an excerpt of that paper. So I'm citing everyone possible here, (laughs) Dunning and the authors. Quote, The case of Ramses II is particularly complex. He had a long and active reign before being mummified in 1219 BCE. Since then, his biography has continued to be eventful. He has a he has a passport. He has a legal. I know this Parisian passport or a French passport. Yeah, it's very fun because he is a human 
and and there is a French law that did not stipulate whether or not they were dead humans, and so he had to have a legal French passport made. So that exists. Sorry, continuing the quote. But the one that you've seen online is most likely not the real one. There's like it's probably there's not. like a yeah. fake one with a photo and everything. Well, that's not really yeah. what it was. It's it just paperwork. It's just documentation. Yeah, yeah. Still, it's very funny. Continuing the quote, moved to different tombs twice during the New Kingdom. He was exhumed in 1883 at Deir el-Bahri, moved five times from Bulak to the Khedivas Palace, to the Cairo Museum, and to a house behind the museum, before his trip to Paris in 1975, and finally back to the National Museum in Cairo. All, as in all of these moves, provided opportunities for contamination and intervention. It is only over the past 50 years that adequate records of conservation histories have been normal, and most specimens are less well-documented than Ramsey's, end quote. So it's extremely possible that during the part of the 20th century in Europe, when tobacco and cocaine were in widespread use, and not just by Sigmund Freud, and mummies were being shipped all over the place because Egyptology was new and exciting and exotic, yeah. that cross-contamination and, uh, and you know, contact with these substances could have occurred. So calm down, everyone, except yeah. don't, because... Yeah, like, chain mm-hmm. of custody is such mm-hmm. a, like, I don't know, like, such a It's like only disregarded now are people thing. like, yeah, people are like, oh, right. And I think... That, I we think, should pay attention to and that. And I think also that it could be like a moving like a moving target as we understand sure. what what um affects materials or evidence or storage or anything like i think that i think it's still fluctuating yeah yeah so don't calm down though because we're going to get Never to down, that glyph translation well everybody else somebody get me a lotus leaf i'm freaking out <laughs> get this lady a poppy so uh, here's, here's the, um, text from that awful website. Uh, the Space Weirdo anti-vax website? Spe- yeah, spaceweirdo.com. And I, I want you to, to note how defensively this introductory bit is written. Quote, While many scholars are convinced these supposed hieroglyphs are nothing more than a modern-day forgery, an archaeological joke, there are those who not only believe the hieroglyphs are real, but there are those who even manage to translate the message that is said to have been left behind by ancient Egyptian explorers more than 500 years ago, mysterious ellipsis. Claims that said hieroglyphs are a modern forgery are contested by numerous Egyptologists like Mohammed Ibrahim and Kemet School co-director Yusuf Abd el-Hakim Aouyan, who has studied ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs his entire life. And then it just says, source. Um, so I briefly looked into these people. Uh, not sure about their credentials. Anna. Yes. I would like to confirm. I've been to humansarefree.com and I suspect that this is not an Australian source because if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a giant American flag. Oh, I didn't get that far. <laughs> I, I don't know what I was expecting. This is exactly what you said. This is. Don't spend too much time on there. Muhammad Ibrahim and Yusuf Abd el-Hakim Aoyan note how the scribes who created the ancient symbols in Australia, remember those oh. from the beginning of this? <laughs> the ones with the, accurately, with the fake, with the chickens. The chickens. Accurately used several ancient hieroglyphs and grammatical variations, which surprisingly were not even documented in Egyptian hieroglyphic texts until 2012. 
And so, Amber, will you treat us to the translation of the Gosford glyphs? Uh, since this is supposed to be the story of ancient Egyptians who traveled to Australia thousands of years ago, maybe I'll put some seafaring noises behind this. Um, yes. So, okay, so part of the... Uh... The evidence, part of the argument in support of mm. their authenticity is because it um, presaged knowledge of Egyptian grammar, like uh, mm. the contemporary knowledge of Egyptian grammar, like that it would have been if it well, was if it was carved in the 19 in like the early 20th century. We and we didn't like scholars didn't have and we didn't know that X about Egyptian yeah. grammar yet. Then how could we? Yeah. Is that what is that what yes. the Okay. Something of that nature, although in a little bit we'll see see what's up with the grammar. Okay. Well, this already sounds better than Zachariah Sitchin in terms of... Well, someone claims to be able to read hieroglyphs, whether they can or not. I don't oh, know. Oh, oh um, quick sidebar before I read this. Um, it may interest our listeners to know, and it may also interest Zachariah Sitchin to know that... Um, we did. I don't think... Is he not? I don't know. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Pour one out. Um, but they're doing like a free course on Sumerian. And uh, like Sasa posted about this and I, I wanted to like engage with it and be like, oh, somebody tag Zechariah Sitchin. Now's his chance. But I wasn't sure if that would like, if that, was, that, yeah. if that would go over well. But if you. I mean, you and I think it's funny. I but. think it's very funny. Because I I think he has. Because he needs it. He does. He needs it more than, like, the average person. If there were ever someone that, like, desperately needed to learn Sumerian, it's that guy. But I will now translate the Gosford glyphs according to. Read the translation. According to. Well, according to the peopleareefree.com. And according to. Humans are free. People are free. Oh, sorry. Right. Free free people is the clothing brand. So these are the Egyptian hieroglyphs on the east wall. Do you want me to yell this first line? That's in all caps? No, it is is in all caps. We're going to go from the east wall uh, to the west wall. Okay. For his highness, the prince, from this wretched place in this land where we were carried by ship, engraved for the crown of lower Egypt, according to God's word. My fellow Egyptians call out from this place in this strange land for the god Suti. I, Nefer-Jeseb, son of Khufu, king of Upper and Lower Egypt, beloved by Ptah, has brought the god Suti. The prince was kind and benevolent and follower of the sun god Ra. For two seasons, eight months, he directed us eastward, weary but strong to the end, always praying, joyful, and smiting insects. You and me both, buddy. Um, he <laughs> yeah, keep a, put a pin in directed us eastward. It's going to come up. It better. If you yeah. think about maps. Yep. Um, you sure? Yep. <laughs> he. Let me do a prestige. <laughs> you brought it up. Put a pin in it. I'm going to have a prestige. <laughs> ah, Anna, you wizard. Um, he. Dr. The, wizard. He, the servant of God, said God created the insects to protect his people. I myself am hardened, have gone around hills and deserts, just like me, in wind and rain, (laughs) with no lakes at hand, blessed by the falling nights when I hide myself, completely out of reach. In our last camp, I cooked fowl on hand and brought... Chicken. 
and brought rain, but my but hurt my back carrying the Golden Falcon standard. Man, I see both of us in this. <laughs> That's what you do. I made chicken. You cook salad and hurt your back. Yeah. Um, crossing hills, a desert, and pools of water along the way. Plants are withering. Land is dying. Is this our lot from the highest god of the sacred myrrh? <laughs> the sun is pouring down upon our back. Oh, mighty Capera, this is not what the oracle has said. Our hearts are overturned, but not broken. Yeah, they've spelled it H-A-R-T, and I'm genuinely unsure if they I mean want... a female deer or is that... my heart. Is a heart a female deer? Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's a male. I'm sorry. It's a male. A hind is female. But yeah, yeah heart is a deer. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I might. I suspect it's just a typo. Okay, it is capitalized. So, um, maybe it was misspelled in the cartouche. This regal person, Nefertiru, came from the temple of God in Pinu, Egypt. (laughs) He came from the house of God. He was the son of Hufu, king of Upper and Lower Egypt. He who died before is here laid to rest. May he have life everlasting. He is never again to stand beside the waters of the sacred myrrh. They clasp him, my brother's spirit to thy side, O father of the earth. Okay, that was the east wall. That was the east wall. Let's take it to the west wall. Oh, and guess oh what? it's in it media race. <laughs> the snake bit twice. We, followers of the divine King Khufu, mighty one of lower Egypt, lord of the two adzes, we shall not all return. However, we have to continue. We cannot look back. All creek and river beds are dry, and we are dismayed. Our boats are tied up with rope. Death was caused by snake. We gave egg yolk from the medicine chest and prayed to Anum, the hidden one, for he was struck twice. It was a hard time for all of us, weeping over the dead body and keeping to the protocol. Seated, keep to the protocol. Seated, to, seated all aside, our men watched the funeral with concern and deep love. How, mummified, how the mummified body was buried in the red earth section. We, then we recovered ourselves. We walled in the side entrance to the chamber with stones from all around. The chamber was aligned with the western heavens. I counted and impounded the daggers of our men. The three doors of eternity were connected to the rear end of the royal tomb and sealed in. Fiend. Insane. Yeah. So, thoughts? Did you did you go on a journey of the mind? What struck you about this? One thing that struck me is that I don't have a ton of experience reading Egyptian texts, but it's a different... What is the word? I don't know, a different voice, a different style. Yeah, a different, a different... style. Yeah, it's it's like a different formula, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an exciting narrative. Mm. Were there mm-hmm. two? There were two different stories there, right? There was one somebody speaking in the first person, and then somebody being like, oh, "That dude died." Is that what happened? I, I like, think that's the what it's supposed died? to be. I think, and and so this is supposed to be sort of his royal tomb? Question mark. Um, I, I suspect that that's what this is sort of meant to, or at least the person who wrote this translation, I think. So it's something, so, so this is something that is on the exterior of a tomb. 
Or did they Not find the exterior? The, the, they found the in... interior of a tomb. So it's well. First of all, there is no tomb. There are there are a series of tunnels. I'm 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 trying to exist but within like these, the world of this I know, fiction. But these, <laughs> like, is that? But these inscriptions are on the inner walls of two. Sorry, the inner surfaces of two sandstone walls. You have to apparently you have to crawl through kind of a narrow kind of scrambly entryway of rock and get to these this is in thunderstorming so it's in right a park there. there right now um oh well i got one you got a picture yep um it looks like perhaps it was a large boulder that had split at some point in the in the mm. geo- geological past mm-hmm. yeah just okay just two big af rocks okay so this yeah. is not they called like one piece called this a crypt. It's super not. I guess it is a crypt in that it is hidden. <laughs> sure. So, what do actual Egyptologists have to say about the Gosford Glyphs? And this is again from. Can I make a guess? The ABC. Yeah. Um, nothing whatsoever. They just ignore it. Well, I. Am I wrong? Not I'm this, wrong. I mean, they found this one. guy has something to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, found one guy. Because he's Australian. The National <laughs> okay. Parks and Wildlife Service maintains the engravings are not authentic, as does Associate Professor Boyo Okinga from Macquarie University's Ancient History Department, who is currently on an archaeological dig in Luxor, Egypt. They're so big into Egypt and Macquarie. Mm-hmm. Professor Okinga says as much as he would like the glyphs to be genuine, there is no doubt they are fakes. He said, like quote, I'd be, the f- I'd be the first person who'd welcome some sort of link because <laughs> it would make my subject relevant to Australian history. <laughs> I could get federal funding. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be wonderful, but I'm afraid it's just not possible, end quote. A group of amateur researchers has sparked new interest in the site, having found a new, smaller set of hieroglyphs in the area. Since Group leader Stephen Strong. That second guy also died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was smiting insects. And... Group leader Stephen Strong says they are also investigating a labyrinth of tunnels cut into the rock beneath the original set of engravings. Strong commented, quote, it is straight and nature doesn't do straight lines. And, you know, I personally disagree with I, I see the point he's trying to make, but I'm not sure I do. Anyway, I think he's just trying to say it looks artificial. Um, he continues, quote, there's a second shaft that runs down and the third one is a gallery that is big enough to park a car. Oh my God, they got cars too. End quote. Yeah. Ancient Egyptians, they had cars. But Professor Akinga, who first saw the inscriptions 20 years ago, says there are many reasons why they are not accepted as genuine hieroglyphics. Crossing my fingers that the first thing he says is chickens. Damn it. He said... (laughs) Quote, first of all, the way they're cut is not the way ancient Egyptian rock inscriptions are produced. They're very disorganized. There's also a problem with the actual shapes of the signs that are used. There's no way people would have been inscribing texts from the time of Cheops, Khufu, from signs that weren't invented until 2500 years later. That, that's a chronological discrepancy. So End that's quote. kind of the point about the grammar. So the, the pe- humans are free person was trying to say like oh but they we didn't they didn't know about the grammar so how could it actually it was just smooshing two styles of hieroglyphs together so if someone was doing the earlier version Uh, so was it just like bs like there it's like is it likely that like the humans are free thing is just like complete bs the translation i genuinely the, the the assertion that 
it employs grammar that we didn't know yes. about. I'm pretty sure they okay. don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I'm no Egyptologist, but and neither are they. No. In other words, symbols from Egyptian eras, thousands of years apart, have been grouped together. Smoosh. Uh, he says it also doesn't it it also doesn't make sense why oh, anci- <laughs> typo sorry <laughs> he says it also doesn't make sense why ancient Egyptians would be at that particular site yeah so here's that traveling eastward bit <laughs> yeah if by any chance they had reached Australia you'd expect them to land on the west coast rather than over on the east coast he said I remember when you brought this up to me I was like yeah isn't it like out in the in like the desert in Western Australia and uh, no. It's like the central, the central coast. Yeah. Sorry. Central coast. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, So it's true that like, what? If you travel east from the continent of Africa, uh, you will hit Australia. You could hit Australia, but you wouldn't hit the east coast of Australia. Mm -mm. Sure wouldn't. Professor Akinga says it's likely the engravings were made in the 1920s when there was widespread interest in ancient Egypt after the discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun. He says this was also around the same time that many Australian soldiers who were stationed in Egypt had come back from the First World War. So can we pause there for a second? Because yeah. I just want to think about on the on the off chance that the translation that we read actually reflects what was written. So if we're saying that whoever made these hieroglyphs knew how to loosely make Egyptian hieroglyphs into translatable phrases, the story that it tells if you're imagining this was written by someone who fought in the First World War in Egypt and is coming back to Australia, the narrative told by that translation, yeah. however heavy the quotes are around translation, that makes some sense. Oh. Just sort of comrades like dying, metatextual analysis. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much of a grain of salt we're we're taking that translation with, but but on the off chance that someone taught themselves hieroglyphs while stationed in Egypt, that narrative makes some sense. I like that. Maybe. No, I oh, like thanks. I like that as a take. Yeah, because it is it is true that like, yeah, it was like somebody wrote it. Yeah, like, someone. Like, it's there. It exists. Someone yeah. carved them. Just um, not ancient Egyptians. Hmm. So um, Okinga goes on to say, "Quote." We have other instances of Australian soldiers having carved Egyptianizing objects in the uh, Kuringai National Park near Sydney. For example, there's a sphinx and pyramids that have been carved out of the sandstone. And we know that this was done by an Australian soldier who was in a hospital in the vicinity. Um, I guess for long enough that he carved a sphinx. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Just one guy. it wouldn't be, and he says, it wouldn't be surprising at all for someone who had gotten this fascination for Egypt to have done something the same, to have done the same thing up here, end quote. Um, and also, something that is worth mentioning here, um, that really sucks that this is, this is a place with indigenous art mm-hmm. and um, presumably, um it holds it holds value and meaning in sort of the deep past um and yeah. would hold value now to descendant communities um and, and, does. and like yeah. and um you know tr- traditional like custodians of of the land um and so it just it just really sucks and so if we're thinking about like australian soldiers being um 
conscripted into World War One and going to Egypt and fighting, I guess, the Ottomans. Um, like, yeah. it is something that you think about doing um, sort of colonial violence and, like, violence to heritage. Twice. Yeah, like, doing it, like, doing it abroad and then bringing it back home. Yeah. And again, this yeah, is and, and this that's... is me talking about like the empire at home again. Sorry, I'm yeah. still thinking about. It. No, it's I'm just I'm, I'm I, never well, going to okay. stop thinking about it. But really not. but yeah, I think that. But that's... that is why I included yeah. the the this place clip mm-hmm. because it does talk about uh, Bungary, the the park, and it is a, tra- a an indigenous steward who is talking about the the real petroglyphs and yeah. their meaning. So uh, go watch that. Yeah. You and listener. Okay. <laughs> Not right now. Uh, I got to go, guys. Um, so that's it. Anna gave me a short story. I like it. A um, completely banana pancakes website, which. Yep. Don't bother, listeners. It's not worth your time. Uh, a brief detour into bummy drugs. Um, and there we are. So, so, like, what was the verdict on the mummy drugs? It just wasn't, the it the was, verdict on the mummy drugs was that they were the mummies were being shuffled around all over the place during a time when cocaine and hashish and tobacco were in widespread use in Europe and the Americas, and so it's probably some kind of and and the whole chain of custody is we don't we have no idea really who uh, up until like the last 50 years or so who was handling the mummies and for how long and when and so it's likely that yes those substances were in fact found in and around the mummies but it, the substances themselves weren't originally present it, like the, it can't be taken as evidence for for consumption right. of right there is of, no legitimate evidence for presence or consumption of tobacco or cocaine or or those other other indigenous American plants, but in like that's not Egypt. cannabis, though. So like it could have been no, yeah, okay, yep, cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, listener, for oh, your thanks. support. Thanks. And uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we we'll back soon. With more stuff. Right. I gotta take. That my, we hope you like. Gotta take my B twelve. Gotta fix my DNA. Bye. Thanks. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.